Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends. So today we are re-airing a very popular episode from 2022 about buying things, you know, thoughtfully. We're talking about shopping in person, the journey of sourcing a great Made in America whisk, classic stuff, classic Mm -hmm. stuff, souvenirs. The last great thing I bought in person was a set of vintage coupe glasses from the stunning new Big Night location in the West Village, which I just felt like it was one of those things that I wouldn't have bought if I didn't go to the store and see them and just feel like so like it was just like fun, fun. I saw those glasses and they're beautiful and quite special. Quite special. How about you? What's the last thing you bought in person that you were excited you know, about? I had a really good shopping experience at um, Bon Bon, which is a candy store in New York City. I took Cam to get some Easter candy. The candy is exceptional. The experience was, as I said in the newsletter, the stuff that core memories are made of. It was just like watching him do the pick and mix by himself and then sitting outside of the store, like planting ourselves on a little grate on the sidewalk and him just eating it with his scooter. It was, I loved it. I loved everything about it. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. Obviously we want all of your thoughts on this stuff as well. Love a voicemail 833-632-5463. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two HQ.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. A buying things update. Yeah. A buying <laughs> things update, review, meditation, contemplation. You know, consideration, some consideration, some some ways of buying things that we've been thinking about lately for your consideration, buying things Mm. for your consideration, shopping in person for your consideration, shopping in person. Actually, you know what? This one I will take further letter of recommendation, shopping in person. It's great. It's we both have done some in-person shopping recently. Mm -hmm. I have learned Mm -hmm. it is a joy. It really is a joy. Like, I feel like I've been kind of down on shopping and especially on the things I was finding while shopping on the internet. It just Mm -hmm. felt like a slog. It just felt like not very inspiring, not very exciting. Like every now and then, of course, there was something that'd be like, well, that's special. That's cool. But like the act of shopping, I was like, do I even like it anymore? Mm. Like, is that, do I even enjoy it? I mean, I love shopping online and I love shopping in person, but they're two fundamentally different experiences from start to finish. Yes, yes, yes. And I think I've just gotten so accustomed to 
the shopping online, which is like a process and it's like spending time and doing, and you know, in a lot of ways, like doing research and like seeking things out. And at least I think in the way that you and I do it, it's not very compulsive and it's, there's like very little surprise. It's like just very going down a rabbit hole, like going through the process that you're going to, well, it's like get to, to find your answer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think it's research oriented. That, that to me is the biggest difference. It's you start academic. with like, I need this specific thing. The only way to online shop really and is to say, decide I need this specific thing and then to go through a process of looking for that specific thing. And it's very rarely are you surprised or very rarely do you end up buying something other than you thought you were going to buy. I sadly, quite sadly, I feel like the closest we come to approximating the sort of broad discovery of in-person shopping where you would like walk down the street and go in a store and discover something that you love and just really want to bring home is like Instagram. Totally. Right. Like that's, that's the closest I can think of. It's just really hard to say nice things about Instagram. It's really hard. (laughs) So instead Mm -hmm. of doing Instagram, go to a store. I mean, there's a lot of like just really basic things that are nice about it. The first one for me is just both the logistical and environmental mess of packaging and shipping and all of that. Shipping and receiving, shipping and receiving. We have like a little caddy in my house, Mm -hmm. these like hay plastic crates. And Thomas calls, refers to that area. We now call it shipping and receiving because it's (laughs) like, you know, it's where things go. It's where they come in, they go out. Like, and there's- Everybody's had this experience of like, since the pandemic, everyone has had to contend with so many boxes and shipping materials and taking up so much time and space in their house. And it's just, it's just straight up annoying to say nothing of the like larger impact of all of it. And I spent a while in LA in January at my parents' house. And because LA is just a different type of town and you can drive and where they live is close to shops. I don't think I ordered a single thing online and it was so nice to like, not just not deal with the packages. It's so nice. It's so, so nice. The other thing I will say that I have realized is a major thing for me in in the difference between online shopping and in real life shopping is a lot of times when I buy something online and it ends up in my house, even if I'm not that excited about it, I end up keeping it because it's already in my house and it's a bit of a hassle to return it or it's just like, it's here already. So it's like, I guess I own this thing now. Well, you don't want to be a bad host. You don't want to be a bad host to this thing. So it's like, I have had to, try to shift my mindset to when something arrives. And this is most often with clothes, but with other things too. ask myself, like, if I was in a fitting room of a store, would I take this thing home? Or am I just going to keep it because it's already here? I think shopping online is a little bit like married at first sight or something. Oh, where it's like, you've like, you're t- you feel very tethered to this thing that you mm-hmm. you don't even know like you've never yeah. you've like never even interacted with you've never even had a date but then this thing comes into your house and you're expected to just like have it a little bit forever wow it's yeah. fine and you're like it is perfectly nice there's nothing wrong with it but are you excited i always think of there's this quote that i saw in cup of joe once and it was like the test of whether or not you should buy the clothes is whether or not they make you want to do a little dance and i think that's so true And I also think we need to try to apply that to our online purchases. When you open it, does it make you want to do a little dance? If not, send it back. You don't need to own stuff that you just feel fine about. I have told you about this episode of the Ezra Klein podcast I've listened to. (laughs) And it was an interview with the novelist, Ruth Ozeki, who we both just love and Mm -hmm. and think is amazing. And she's been Um, on this podcast too. She's been on this podcast. We beat you to it, Ezra. 
classic us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And her new novel is called The Book of Form and Emptiness. And it talks a lot about things. Like Mm -hmm. things are a central character really in the book. And one of the topics that she and Ezra discuss are are just like ownership of things. And Mm -hmm. like this this urge we have as humans to like want and desire and uh, seek to acquire things. And how there's a shift that happens once you own a thing where, you know, your relationship with the thing changes. It's mm-hmm. no longer this like wanting and desiring. It's this like caretaker mm-hmm. role that you're playing all of a sudden. And that you have this responsibility towards these things mm-hmm. once you own them. And that makes it like less romantic mm-hmm. because you must care for them and you right. must like possess them. But I think when it comes to this like online shopping versus in-person shopping, there's just something different about choosing in yes. person. Like you're choosing it. You've like met this thing, you know it. It's not married at first sight in that way that it's like, oh, you, you know, like I've just seen you through this like screen. Well, you also left your house to go get it. Like you you had to put in a little bit more effort, right? Totally. You know, and you touched the thing. Like you said, you went out on a date, you got to know it a little bit more. Yeah. It really, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before that I return a lot of stuff I buy online and that also is an environmental and like retail economic retail disaster. But the flip side of that is if we are in a position where we have to buy most things online for whatever reason, are you just acquiring all of this shit that you don't want? Yes, and yes, I do yes. think, you know, these things are so specific to where you live. Right. And a lot of people just like can't access things. And, and even, like I said, like in New York, it's a lot harder because you're not in a car to, you know, schlep stuff around. But I do think if you can make the effort to leave your house and go get a thing, it's ultimately a better experience. The other part of it is that if you don't do it, then less and less places are going to exist. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. And that's I why mean, we, which, yeah. we're, right, like it's just creating this cycle of, you know, well, people aren't, shop, people are shopping online and not in person and mm-hmm. thus there are no shops and then you keep yep. doing it to the point where there's no place to pay paper towels in your neighborhood. Right, right. I mean, oh gosh, we got to do a separate episode on groceries and, and that and the whole like 15 minute grocery warehouses. It's a whole mm. other thing. Mm. But the other mm-hmm. thing that like speaking of the joy of groceries is the difference between shopping for a specific item, going on Fresh Direct and saying, I want mustard versus and placing going, the reorder yeah. for the same things every week or whatever it is yeah. versus going to the grocery store, looking for mustard and discovering this incredible, like weird mayo, mustard, ketchup, condiment mix that you didn't know you needed. And it's changing your life. Like I just, that to me, the discovery is such an exciting part of shopping in person that is really hard to replicate online because you are always looking for a green shirt, short dress, a grainy mustard, whatever it is. And it's just really hard for the internet to replicate that experience of discovery. Thank you so much to Shopify for sponsoring today's episode. You know, I feel like we've done a lot of talking about how much we love and have loved for a long time Shopify as business owners and entrepreneurs and how much it has meant to us throughout the years and supporting our various business endeavors. I don't feel like I really talk enough about how much I love Shopify as a consumer. It is just an easy checkout process. And you know how annoying it is when it's not. I love that they have the shop thing where sometimes you can just like sort of check out with one click. I like that there's a lot of autofilling of address stuff. It just, it knows how to get You just know where people. all the fields are too. You just yeah. know where they are. You know where the coupon field's going to go. You know where the ship, when the shipping's going to pop up. That's nice. There's just a sense of relief when you hit checkout 
and you land on that Shopify template. It feels good. I'm like, I know we're going to get in and out of here easily. I'm going to be taken care of. And I, I feel great about that. It's a little bit of an, ah, you know, <laughs> totally. Shopify is the e-commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide, no matter what you're selling. Shopify simplifies selling online and in person. So you can focus on successfully growing your business. Shopify covers every sales channel from in-person POS to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. And it even lets you sell across social media marketplaces packed with industry leading tools, ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills and design or code. And thanks to 24 seven help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash a thing or two, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash a thing or two to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash a thing or two. You know, if you like this podcast, you will definitely like that on paper. And if you like our conversations about romance on this podcast, you will super, super like that on paper. The hosts of this chat show, Becca Freeman and Olivia Mentor are like huge romance rom-com fans. They even did a recent episode on sort of like niche erotica and Mm. did reviews of that, which I feel Mm -hmm. like is like, I don't know, that's like the next train for us. Yeah. Oh yeah. We got to start reading the Goblin erotica. (laughs) totally totally (laughs) new episodes drop every wednesday they are huge readers and they talk about books on every single episode so if you're just feeling like you need book recs that aren't coming at you on tiktok or whatever this is a place to get them and listeners say that it just feels like having a glass of wine with your best friends which i think is just like the ultimate review for a chat show you know what is better than that yes both hosts are also currently writing books so they give you updates on that process in case that's curious and interesting for you and there's a huge back catalog so you don't have to feel like oh i I got to start at the beginning or anything like that. Just, you know, try the erotica one, see how it goes, whatever. (laughs) It's a classic. You may also like situation. If you like this, you may also like that. Let's get it going. Let's get it going. Listen to bad on paper. Welcome Welcome to to barely Barely filtered Filtered, hosted by by us. I'm Aurora Culpo star of the HBO max show, the Culpo sisters. Don't tell my sisters. I said so. I'm a recently divorced mom of two living in Los Angeles with my ex-husband. I'm part granola mom, part glamorous jet setter. I'm Kristen Gaffney, also a mom, a startup nerd who modeled for Sports Illustrated Swimsuit and the founder and CEO of Super True. I always like to microdose my coffee before I hit up carpool. Welcome to Barely Filtered, our our safe space. (laughs) Here, we discuss health and wellness, becoming a grown-ass woman, and what's going on in this crazy world. And while we don't agree on everything, we do agree on this. We We want want you you to live live your best best life. There were two experiences recently that made me realize that I like shopping and like shopping in person. Again, the, I will start with (laughs) like less ridiculous one, which is I was in Soho a, a month or so ago and just like bopping around a little bit. And I went into the real, real store and it was bumping. Like it was just so many people like really like just like, like in the racks, you know, like really like, and like pulling things out and showing their friend and like in that like classic, like going shopping Mm -hmm. way. And I think because of the, because of the kind of store that is, because there's only one of things, because, you know, you don't know if somebody else is going to scoop it up. Like it does have that energy that is almost, that is just like inherently more vibrant than going to a different kind of store. They also, I haven't been to the one in New York in a while, but I recently went to the one in LA, which is like not, I mean, it's the size of an apartment store. It basically is a department store because they have home, they have men's, they have the kids, everything. 
it is impeccably merchandised. It is wild how well it is merchandised. And when you think about the fact that they don't know what products they're getting and there's only one of things and still somehow they make it look so good, it's really a feat. Like whoever is doing it is at the top of their game. Totally. And I think on top of that, because of because the merchandising is so good, the experience of shopping it is so different than shopping the real mm-hmm. real online, mm-hmm. um, which is an experience I actually enjoy. And you and yeah. I both look at, you know, sets of brands and follow that kind of stuff on the real real. But this I go and I'm like looking at sections of clothing and just like discovering things, which is not something I'm doing with an e- the e-com experience and like not something yeah. I do on the e-com experience most places. No, no. I, my e-com experience of shopping is so clicking off the brands I know and like on the filter it's page. Regimented. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's a bit arduous. I mean, I really wanted a dress to take on vacation, never found one, but it was just clicking through pages and pages of dresses sorted by price until I got to a point where I was not willing to spend that much. Like right. that's depressing way to go about it. And right. by the way, like it's, two, it's a bit joyless. It's a bit joyless. It's a bit joyless. Also like the irony is not lost on me that two women who started an, you know, e-com company are railing against online shopping, but you know, well, but, you know, I, I think we were trying to do something and <laughs> that didn't yeah. feel, that didn't feel quite like clicking through 10 pages. You're, um, with, you're with, with varying degrees yeah. of success, with varying yeah. degrees of success. No, you're sure. right. The other experience I had recently was on my vacation. I had an afternoon in Milan and I am blessed with a husband who thinks that shopping at interesting concept sh- stores is fun. And like, he doesn't love shopping in general, but he appreciates like sh- shopping as like, he appreciates like fashion as like an cultural interesting tourism. cultural thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cult- Yes. Fashion Mm -hmm. is cultural tourism. Mm -hmm. And so he like, likes a multi-brand retail experience Mm -hmm. and Milan has some good ones, including 10 Corsicomo Mm -hmm. and Milora. And these are like, you know, these ideal experiences, right? These like beautifully designed spaces, racks that have like a mix of brands that, you know, you're not shopping in like this designer section. Right, um, right, right. You're getting like these interesting colorways where you're getting like a rack of like, oh, this like beautiful yellow with like this tan and just like seeing that that's like a direction that they're pushing. And you just get that sense that you're like browsing and discovering things. And you get salespeople who, right. especially I think in Italy in general, are just like paying attention to what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Not in a like what, like, who are you in this store and why right. are you here and how much money are you going to spend? But you get people being like, oh, you you held up that thing and that thing. Right. And so I'm going to like come over and be like, do you know about this thing? And introduce you to something and like give you the context and a little bit of like why this is interesting or how it could be used or what you might pair it with. Yeah. And just had the experience of like being in a fitting room and someone like bringing over a jacket and being like, you could style it like this. You could do that. That's like very different than looking at pictures on an internet, on a website. I was so proud that I bought so little online when I'd been in LA. I really liked the idea of committing and saying, yeah, like I'm interested in that just as an experiment to say, yes. I'm not going to shop online for a month and just see what I buy, what I don't buy, like how it impacts my life. And then when I really started to think about it, I thought at least in New York, I think it would be really hard to pull off. I mean, I guess it, it depends on really what my needs are. Maybe if I didn't have a kid, it would feel a little bit easier Well, I think there are other ways to do it too that are different like kinds of constraints where it's like, I'm not going to buy any fashion or home things Mm -hmm. online Online. and just to like do that in person and say like, okay, if I need like a tea strainer or something, I will permit myself to like buy that on the internet, but I'm not going to buy like design things or non-essentials. Well, I'm like, I'm just like, I needed a storage thing for my 
bathroom. I can't imagine having been like, I'm only going to buy that in person because I needed, I wanted to look at all of the ones that were out there. I mean, this is also the nice thing about the internet, right? Like you get to see all of the options. To me, I'm more like, the thing I could definitely pull off is food. I could pull off not buying any food online for like not doing any online delivery services, not doing any, you know, shipment of condiments or whatever, not doing any, <laughs> which I do You know quite what, you and I both have enough condiments that we could survive. We could survive. We could absolutely survive. Without new condiments shipped to us from yeah. another state. Could definitely do no grocery delivery. Like that, I think I, I could pull off. Would it change the way I eat? Would I learn anything particularly compelling about compelling. Yourself. I yeah. don't think so. I think yeah. I would learn a lot. I, I think it would be a lot more interesting to do what you're talking about with like clothes and home goods and stuff like that and say, and you know, and say like, what, what does my consumption look like differently? Certainly I probably spend less money because it's a lot harder to spend money when you're not doing it online. Another topic that comes up quite a bit. Uniform dressing and like taken to it's like extreme, mm-hmm. which is one fit February. Um, a concept, a concept from a newsletter called Blackbird's Biplane by Jonah Weiner. It is like, I don't know. I can't like explain Blackbird Mm. Biplane. Can you? It's like true hype beast menswear stuff with a sense of humor about itself. It's really extreme. It speaks in like, like this extreme slang and it like knows it's ridiculous. Like it's purposefully ridiculous. Here's what I'll say about Blackbird's Biplane. Chris, my husband was on a call for work and there was a young person on the call who had just graduated college, I think like a 21 year old. And they were talking about a brand that they thought was relevant again. And Chris made a reference to Blackbird's biplane and Chris is, you know, just turned 40. And the 20 year old was like, you read Blackbird's biplane. Oh God. You just got like a hundred cool points in my book. So that's Blackbird's biplane, I guess. What did Chris say I don't know if I should repeat it. I'll say it. Chris said, uh, what was it? It was, you're not, you're not. Oh yeah. He said, give me cool points. He said, he said, so-and-so you're not in a position to be awarding cool points. (laughs) I think it's great. I think it's, but yeah, Blackbird's biplane is, is bro, like bros who really care about Gorp, Gorp and Johns and Fitz. It's an outgrowth of the of the throwing fits culture. It's an outgrowth of hashtag menswear. It's definitely a palsy with the how long gones of the world. It, it's all of that, but it's, it, it's successful. And it's a thing because Jonah is, and his wife, Aaron, who, who produce it are, are actually smart and have interesting things to say about menswear and its role in culture and all of that. But it's completely absurd. Completely absurd. And very cool. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's that's actually the my only way of describing it is so cool like that. <laughs> so something that that they started doing this year was this idea of one fit February O F F off. And the setup, I'll read you. And this is I can I cannot, there's no way I can make this sound not ridiculous. So apologies in advance. Yeah. Jonah writes. I've long been fascinated by the type of person who can lock in a popping uniform and then just ride it out for the rest of their days on some Bill Cunningham, Steve Jobs, Carl Lagerfeld shit. I sometimes wish I was one of them and maybe one day I will be. I'd like to add to this mm-hmm. Elizabeth Holmes, who yes. just feels like so extremely timely yep. right now. Yep. But then he goes on 
It's also because there's an element of the uniform mindset that I really don't relate to, at least as it's been enshrined in a cheeseball Grussell culture, 10 secrets of rich, productive, geniuses style rhetoric, which is about trying to free yourself from the quote burden of caring about clothes so that you can focus more efficiently on more important business success win activities. And if we believe one thing here at Blackbird's Biplane, it's that caring about clothes is not a burden, but a joyous and very cool thing to do. Whereas Grussell culture's stock and trade is an anodenic bozo outlook on life that we want nothing to do with. It's so great. So basically he, in this intro email lays out like how he's going to approach one fit February and he gives himself a couple pieces. Like it's, it's there's not like even layering just, happening. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, they live in the Bay area, so they don't need as much climate yeah. flexibility right. as some others might, but yeah. But then he follows up at the fe- end of February with a recap on his learnings. And he says, I will probably never do this shit again because it drove me kind of crazy, which was just helpful to know that, you know, there are some of us who just, it's not for us. And I did like the framing that like getting dressed isn't a burden um, and that it's joyous and fun. And especially if you lean into that part, which I feel like I've been trying to like remind myself of like, yes, yes, it can be those things. Michael Williams uh, continuously and also wrote about uniform dressing this week. And he's like, it's funny because he's also very much like a major voice in the hashtag menswear community, but he's sort of the opposite end of Blackbird's biplane, like takes himself very seriously. And this is like not funny to him at all. You know, no humor in it. It's not <laughs> no humor in it. No, both of these, both of these voices are ridiculous and both of them have something useful to say and value to offer in different ways. We like them both. Yes. <laughs> And we make fun of them both. So Michael Williams writes, my view on uniform dressing is different than the Steve Jobs thing. He wanted to eliminate having to make decisions about what to wear. My personal uniform inspiration comes from guys like Mickey Drexler, Andy Spade, and Stephen Allen. My move towards uniform dressing is about finding the clothes that best represent my personal style and building a stable of those garments, which work best for me. So refine your closet to just be the clothes that work best for you and only wear versions of that stuff. This approach creates a safe yet high-performing wardrobe. That's the goal. Which again, like a framing that really speaks to me of like, right. Like, I mean, I obviously not having to make decisions appeals to me, but I think it's also that we all know that at least at a certain point in your life, there are the clothes that look best on you. And those are the clothes that look best on you. It would behoove you to sort of stick to them or it's like, there's a reason you're always drawn towards them. Right. Totally. Well, it means you also get to reject when like cold shoulder shirt is a thing. Right. You get to just be like, that doesn't, it's not relevant to my life. Like totally irrelevant to me. Which like, I also, it gets back to the idea of like shopping too and why we're compelled to do it. Cause I do think sometimes I like, I like a trend. I appreciate a trend and I feel like I should own it just because I like it. When in fact, like you can appreciate a trend from afar without that being part of your wardrobe. Right. Like, and well, and sometimes it's also even just fun to try the thing on, yeah, which is, which is a much more pleasant experience at a store than like out of a box. And you can be like, Oh, that's what that looks like. Now I know now (laughs) I've like, now I have a photo on my phone and that's all I need. It's like pinning it to a Pinterest. It's done. (laughs) Exactly. I do think like we live in this era of personal branding where we feel more than ever that we have to express ourselves outwardly in this visual way to let people know like who we are. And so you do have this compulsion to be like, well, if I'm a fashionable person, do I have to like, and people think of me as a fashionable person, do I have to own XYZ current trend that speaks to me? No, you don't. You know, you don't. If you were going to do 
one fit February. And I do think I, I have to say, I think February is a really good month for this mm-hmm. because the weather is like pretty reliable, especially where we are. Although I, although we did have like a 60 degree day in February. So. <laughs> right. Right. But conceptually February makes sense because there aren't like holidays that you're really dressing for. It's not like that kind of thing yeah. and the weather thing. But what would you wear for your one outfit? I mean, I do think I inadvertently commit to a one fit February most Februarys because it's all I am extremely committed to jeans and a crew yeah. sweater and boots. And and that's same, that's Claire, the fatigue same. of February is that by the end you're like, I never want to wear a sweater and boots again, but it was the only thing you end up wearing. Leandra Medine Cohen recently wrote a newsletter that I didn't read, but she Instagrammed the introductory <laughs> line of it, which I really agree with. She was like, you know, the ever present issue of no winter shoes look good with pants. But it's like why you always end up wearing jeans because no winter shoes look good with pants or frankly like dresses really either. So it's just like, I don't even think to wear anything other than jeans and a sweater this time of year. Does jewelry have to be the same for this outfit? Like is jewelry like part of an outfit or is that separate? It's so funny because as much as I think between the two of us, I would struggle so much more with one fit February than you would, but I would have, cause I, I truly have worn like pretty much the same. (laughs) Well, it's like a black or gray sweater and like this, these wide leg pants. Well, and you know, as listeners of this podcast will recall when, when I met you, the first thing I remembered about you was that you told me like in no uncertain terms that you only wear black, gray or pink. And that's like, you, you've always had a uniform mentality when it comes to dressing. I, however, have no problem wearing the same jewelry every day and committing to a jewelry uniform. I, 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 that's what I do. I never change it anymore and haven't for years. I just always wear the same jewelry every single day with slight changes. But I think with clothes, I would have a much harder time, but I will say to get back to this, this Los Angeles trip, which is apparently really relevant to to every topic today to set the stage, Chris and Cam and I went to Minneapolis and then we went to LA and we ended up staying in LA a lot longer than we thought, mostly because of Omicron. And I had to pack for Minneapolis and LA and pack for shorter than I thought. So I ended up living off of very few clothes for the month or so that we were in LA. It was basically three or four outfits and I actually didn't hate it at all. And it was really nice in the morning to get dressed and only have those three or four outfits to choose from. And it was basically these sailor style jeans from APC. They're called the new sailor. And then three crew neck sweaters. Like I had a mustardy yellow one, a bright green one, and a gray one. And then I had either a pair of sneakers or a pair of clogs. I will say, I really wished I had a ballet flat. Like I kept looking around for a reasonably placed ballet flat to just buy because I knew it would make my life easier. And also LA February or LA January is very different from January and other parts of the country. But I felt great about it. I was like, I'm totally fine wearing this every day. And I, because I didn't have my whole closet staring me in the face. I had no like guilt or shame or weird feelings about the fact that I was only wearing these three outfits. It was like a little boring. I wished I had a dressier outfit for going out. Mm. But that's for me where I'm like, but what about the jewelry? Could the jewelry, can the jewelry Mm. change? Because like for me, that's like how I dress things up sometimes. Right. Okay. Fair. Yeah. That's never like a statement earring. Yeah. No, that makes sense. For some reason, that's never my thing. For me, it's like the shoe and the, the shoe is a big part of it. And I didn't have a heel or anything like that. But I think the way in which it served me is that I realized that in real life, when I have my whole closet, I still am for the most part, just rotating between three or four outfits. Most of the time, I just like to pretend I'm not. So then I mm. stress myself out in the morning. So just like, a mind fuck. Yeah. And I like tried, I'm like, I should wear something different. I should wear this thing that I really like, but haven't worn in a while, then try to build an outfit around it. And then 20 minutes later, there's 
four pairs of so pants on the floor. You, this is why there's so many outfits. Yes, exactly. Since coming back from LA, I've tried to embrace this fact that like those same four sweaters that I was wearing in LA are just the sweaters that I like this season. Okay, another thing we wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. our friend Lindsay has mm-hmm. been very committed to buying Made in America for products where like it makes sense and she can find like a cool old manufacturer and just like also kind of giving herself the challenge of doing it. Yeah. Um, of like at least searching and trying. It and feels so she- similar to One Fit February in that way where it's like, Jonah was like, I'm just curious to see what will happen and how this will go and what I will learn. I think Lindsay's taken the same approach of like, let me just see what I can learn by trying to buy everything made in America. Yes, exactly. So she, so I was asking her if she could like kind of explain her philosophy on it. And she said, so my feeling is I'll buy from anywhere worldwide, but I do want to make an effort to support cool companies, particularly legacy making stuff here. The discovery research of finding the single whisk made in the USA is kind of fun. Also, I've discovered some really cool stuff and interesting facts. All clad is made here. And so is Viking. There's this glassware company that I think everybody probably has something from anchor Hawking lodge remains so incredibly great. And like one third of the price of Lake Crusade. I have more finds and tricks, but something about putting the time and effort in makes the small amount of stuff I have feel more special. It does cost more though. It's just like, I love this. Like, I love the, this is the kind of like online shopping that feels fun. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And yes, totally, totally. I think it's also important to preface this with something that we've always said, which is like made in America is not inherently better. There are plenty, no. there are plenty of labor practices and production practices that go on in this country that are reprehensible in the same way that in China, there are plenty of ethically made products and there are plenty of reprehensibly made products. So it's not about like that inherently something is better because it is made here. Although there are certainly benefits to buying things that are here, like supporting local economies and keeping manufacturing a part of our national economy and not, you know, not shipping things from across the world three times on container, you know, exactly ship on both environmental impact, a lot of these things. Yep. Yeah, no, but it's just like, it is like a really interesting, it is also just interesting, I think, to learn as, as Lindsay has what still is made here and what isn't like mm-hmm. what you can and cannot source. She has this list. I need you to like, click this link, Claire. It's incredible. It's called stillmadeinusa.com and it is clip art. Like you have not seen. Wow. Um, in it, decades. it certainly recalls Kate's butter. It it is. Yes. I think it's the same, probably webmaster, but like it's by categories. You can look at toys and arts and crafts and tools and all of this. And one of the things that's really cool is that it like tells you where the company is based that makes the things. And so Mm -hmm. there's like context, which is super useful and fun. You know, Lindsay spoke specifically about this like whisk that, that she found. And so in doing some digging, there is this like 60 year old business in Portland, Oregon called Best Manufacturers. And there's a whole ink story about them that we'll link to. They're these handmade whisks. And they, in the ink article, they talk about just the challenges of being a made America business. Mm-hmm. And the, there's a quote, it's hard to sell a $12 item from Portland, Oregon to a consumer in Minnesota over the internet and make that a good sale for the end user, which I think is just like these are good reminders. This is like interesting stuff. Well, and it's like when we all complain about the various things, ourselves included, that go, that like we do or do not like about the retail experience. I think a lot of us just forget that it's really hard for retailers to achieve the retail experience that all of us have come to expect. Correct, 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 correct. And to still make a dime. Correct. 
I need to tell you about two journeys that we've gone yes. on in my house that have mm-hmm. for, um, seeking made in the U.S. products. So one, do you know the company Libman, like mops and brooms? I feel like you'll recognize them. They're like all have that green. It's like that bright green handle. Oh, it feels familiar, but it also it, it, it it's like a very classic design style. Of, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like a not, very like classic broom yes. and mop like mm-hmm. aesthetic. Like when yes. you picture a green handled one, this is like what it is. Mm-hmm. They're made in Arcola, Illinois. They have been since 1896. That is here, wild. Wild. Now here's the part that's like incredibly heartwarming. There's a Chicago Tribune article that I learned this from. The mayor of Arcola, Illinois, is this man, Jesus Garza. Mm -hmm. He immigrated from Mexico 28 years ago to work on the floor of the broom factory in (gasps) Arcola. He then built a successful auto shop business and now he's mayor. Wow. Don't you love it? I do love it. Don't you love Libman and Arcola, Illinois? I do. I love any company that's been around this long. I like, and still making it in the same place. That's incredible. Incredible. We'll also link to a list of a bunch of companies that are still made in the U.S. A few that like felt like interesting and exciting to me. Crayola, Mm. Zippo, Burt's Bees, Benjamin Moore, Mm. Post-It, Herman Miller. Well, I'm not surprised about Benjamin Moore because it's really hard to ship paint overseas. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Hanky Um, Panky, I had forgotten about. We interviewed the founders for our book. Yeah, all made in America. Yeah. Made in America underpants. Yes, yes. It's exciting. It really is. I think that's exciting. I love that company. Yes. We also got an amazing email about shopping from a listener. Specifically shopping while traveling, which just like felt like, yeah, like very sort of like related to all of this. And like, how are we thinking about it? Are Um, we going to read the whole thing? I kind of think we have to, Claire. I mean, the subject line is really good. Should I read it? Yeah, read it. Okay. (laughs) Subject line. Reporting loss of good taste in housewares when traveling. Help. Also, you know what? I just want to preface this by saying we don't get like a ton of emails like this, but we get like a fair amount of people expressing their neuroses to us, which both makes me feel really wonderful and seen. Like people are like, you, this would speak to you. But I'm like, they're like, I know you'll welcome a four paragraph email about this. They're all so long and I love it. And I just want the other people who write these emails to know you're not alone. (laughs) Yeah. 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 All right. So reporting loss of good taste in housewares when traveling help. Hello, you wonderful creatures. I have listened to the pod since the beginning. I'm a former customer and I love you both from afar. I live in Greece, but have traveled very widely and have spent long stints abroad. I'd like to think I have great taste, which has evolved over time, but I can't help feeling jealous whenever I visit someone's home who has brought back wonderful little or large things back from their travels. Why? Because no matter where I've been or how long I've stayed there, I always bring back absolute trash. (laughs) I really don't know why, but it happens to me every single time. I've never once managed to bring back something I can integrate into my home or just simply actually like out of context of whatever country I've hauled it back from. This does not happen to me with clothes or shoes. It only happens with houseware. Do I get too influenced by my surroundings and bring back stuff that's not really me? Perhaps, but I've also done the opposite. For example, after two months in India, I somehow circumvented all local influences and brought back something that seemed an unusual find at the time, but looked totally trivial and like something I could have picked up in any run-of-the-mill European store once I got back home. Don't know what to tell you. It's been a consistent problem. I'm dying to know how you guys shop while traveling, what kind of things you bring back or buy as gifts, and how you manage not to hate what you've acquired once you're back home. Any all-time favorite travel acquisitions slash conversation starters dotted around your home you'd never part with? Thank you and love your work in any and all forms. Des. I think my favorite line, Mm -hmm. if I had to choose one, is don't know what to tell you. (laughs) 
Do you want to know what this brought to mind for me? Tell me. Does I have a very similar experience, but not when it comes to shopping while traveling, but when it comes to composing a salad at a salad bar, like I can make a salad at home just fine. <laughs> but if I, I never would have guessed that's where you're going to go, but like everything she said, I'm like, I have been there exactly at a make your own salad bar or like the thing at the deli where they make the salad for you, where it's like, I know what no, I like. A sweet green. You couldn't possibly. <laughs> yeah. Like I know what I like. I know what tastes good to me and generally like what tastes good together, but get me in front of one of those things where they have every a metal mixing like your own. Yeah. <laughs> I am fucked and I never <laughs> like it. And this has been a problem for me since high school when there used to be a salad bar at the cafeteria to always make the grossest salads. And it's like, and I truly, the don't know what to tell you resonated so much with me because that's how I thought I was just, I don't know what to tell you. It has and always will be a problem. And I have no explanation for it. So does I relate not to this specific thing, but I have a feeling of just being like, this will always be my inexplicable problem. <laughs> oh God. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Anyway, back to Des. Back to Des. Yeah. Okay. Can I suggest that Des start with something that's like lower stakes where she's mm. not pinning so much like aesthetic, like, is it me? Is it right? Is it like this magical thing that's going to look great on like a mm -hmm. dresser or a shelf or whatever that says something about me and my journey, right. whatever. Mm -hmm. I love acquiring like truly mundane shit while traveling that are like little household items that, that I'll use all the time. And that'll mm -hmm. make me think of that trip. Like I have this strainer that I got in Hong Kong from Muji that is, it's just an exceptional, it's like, it's a strainer that sits in a metal bowl perfectly. Mm -hmm. So you can put like berries in it and whatever. That's and it's just like, yeah. it drink. Yeah. It's just perfect. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything like it um, yep. since. And I use it all the time. And it mm -hmm. like always reminds me of that. I bought a butter dish in Barcelona, which is like a little designy, but it's yep. like not, you know, it was like, oh, we, we need a butter dish. Right. This is like right. a nice thing. I don't know. It's, it's like, it also sometimes just feels more fun and a little bit more like you're genuinely experiencing a place to go to the grocery store or the hardware totally. store or like the restaurant supply or like whatever mm -hmm. it is. And to have those shopping experiences versus like the decor stores yes. or whatever. Absolutely agree about grocery stores. God, I love going to grocery stores when Ugh. I'm traveling. And there are certain, like this is a highly specific tip, but in Tokyo, the restaurant supply district is an amazing shopping experience. Yes. Yes. In New York, like yes, shopping also, at the sh totally. stores in, on the Bowery is like super fun. Yes. Agreed completely. I also tried to do this thing. Maybe this is a tip for Des, or maybe this will work for Des better than it worked for me. But before going to New Orleans, I told you that I was going to pitch this and <laughs> I never told you how it went. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm Chris historically has a really low threshold for antiquing vintage shops, consignment shops, anything like that. So on the way to New Orleans, I was like, and New Orleans is known for having a really amazing antique and vintage stuff. And so I said to him, I just have this idea that we start a tradition where like we Traditions together. Incredible framing. <laughs> yeah, keep going. That was really what, what got him. And I didn't know that that was going to be the thing, but I was like, we start this tradition where like together, we always pick out one vintage or antique or secondhand thing on every trip. And that's just like the thing we always bring home something antique. He just like laughed me off the airplane. It was, he was like, because if that was what he, he was like, I love the idea that it's like a tradition. <laughs> like, and then all throughout New Orleans, every time I'd stop in an antique store, he'd be like, oh, so we can do our tradition. <laughs> I mean, it is when, whenever, whenever you set up a tradition that you haven't done once. Yeah. 
like at <laughs> anyone. Yeah. Like yeah. you're kind of in for it a little bit. <laughs> I just, listener, we didn't buy any antiques. Not only that, he didn't come in a single antique store with me. He was really- he stood outside. Oh yeah, every <laughs> single one. In fact, most of them, this really was great for him. They're in traditional Southern style. Most of them had rockers on the front porch. So he just had like a rocking chair to sit in. And anyway, you could try making it an activity with- You could try starting party. a tradition. You could try starting a tradition. Hasn't worked for me, but- doesn't mean it won't work for you. Yeah. Something I've started to do is making a list of things that I would like to like, like little, like mostly home stuff, but like, mm-hmm. like I guess clothes stuff too. I have like yeah. a list of like things that should I see something that like fits this bill I would like to acquire. And you and I both have just like, when it comes to like pretty little decor things. I just don't, I don't really buy as much of that on the internet at this mm-hmm. point yeah. or even like shopping around New York. It's well, like really I, travel stuff. I have enough of this, that stuff. And you know, it because my age also after of because a kind, we ran a business, yes. it sold a lot. I acquired and, so much yeah. of it. I don't need any of it anymore. So I see a ton of it. I like, but I, it is really, really rare that I buy it unless it is traveling because when you're traveling, it just comes home with a special meaning. That's right. Yeah. That's right. What are a few things that you have purchased while traveling that you feel especially strongly about? You know, the two things that immediately came to mind when I thought about this shared something in common, which is that they were a collection of things that I got mm. to pick out. So one are these mismatched bowls from Hakkasan Porcelain in Tokyo, which is this incredible porcelain shop in Tokyo. I also have found it really challenging to find their stuff online. So it that doesn't, doesn't really make exist it, online. Yeah. Yeah. It more fun, but they have all of these bowls with all these very disparate, different, intricate designs. So it was really fun for Chris and I to like have all the bowls and be like, okay, we're only going to pick 12 and which ones do we want? And which ones go together? And which ones do you like, you know, you get to pick one and I get to pick one. And I have that fun memory of that. And the other is similarly, these Otomi embroidered placemats from Mexico city from one of the flea markets there where like, they're all different colors. And I put them out on my table and I think of them every time I see them. I think of that trip every time I see them out on the table, I will say they're like falling apart at this point. And I've had to just embrace the fact that like, that's okay. And they're replaceable or, or I won't replace them, but they're just serving their purpose and they're living their life. They're living their life. And also you can find those ones online, but like, I do love that. I have the memory of them. Well, I mean, I do think acknowledging that like you can find a lot of things on the internet mm-hmm. at this point, like like it or not, is yeah. is probably healthy. Just Maybe like that's not feeling- making things harder for Des. Maybe she's trying to find things that you can't find online. Right, 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 right. Which is really hard. I mean, yeah. it just I feel like there is this this a little bit of pressure when you're traveling to be like, oh, I want I want to I want to like bring home something special. And then you're putting this like weird pressure on yourself to buy something that maybe you don't want or that isn't right for you or that you just don't need. And there is like there's something you can like noodle on a lot of things basically mm-hmm. and acquire them later, probably on the Internet, probably from Etsy. Like, yeah, there is a way to go about doing that. Like I really liked some of the Capodimonte porcelain when I was in Naples mm-hmm. and they're just like, I didn't do a lot of shopping while in Naples. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff that I like is the more vintage stuff. And the thing that I like the most is on Cherish. Right. And it's still going to make me think of Naples because that's course. where I like discovered it. That's where you it. learned and about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And where you came to appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Like you can learn about this stuff on a trip, buy it elsewhere, and it can still have meaning about the trip. I also think you just have to embrace the eclecticism of the stuff you acquire while traveling and just know that your whole home's not going to all be, you know, perfectly matched. Yeah. I don't know, but I think that does probably also suffers 
to bring this back to packing once again. For you always say that you think my packing issue is that I think I'm going to be a different person when I go to a different city. Mm-hmm. And maybe does think she's going to be a different person when she comes home. Yeah, totally. You know, <sighs> it has deep psychological roots, this issue. Mm-hmm. Like not being able to make a good salad at a salad bar. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. All right. That's the show. Hi, Claire and Erica. Um, long time fan here. I'm just catching up on old episodes and I heard you um, talking about Helen Huang's delightful romance novels in a episode from a few months back. And I just wanted to call you in on some inclusive autism language. So I am uh, similar to Helen Upperson who discovered I was autistic when I was in my late 20s. And I learned a lot about kind of the best language to use around these things. So Rather than saying high-functioning and low-functioning, typically in the autistic community, we say um, people with higher or lower support needs because it is, you know, a spectrum in the sense that everybody has different support needs in different areas, and one is not, you know, of any sort of higher value than another, and those functioning labels tend to have more uh, damaging sort of connotations. Um, We don't use the word Asperger's, which I think you even said, because the man who that is named after is a Nazi, essentially. So we try to say we can not. And also, rather than saying a person with autism, typically people who are are autistic um, use the phrase that they are autistic because it is an identity and a neurotype rather than a disease. But anyway, overall, thank you so much for including Helen Hines' book in your conversation. And I hope this was helpful. It's definitely language that I've learned a lot about recently. And yeah, so hope that helps and love the pod always. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.